Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by Liana Sangster. Hi, Dom. Hey, Liana. Also a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I thought we'd put our consultant hats together and talk about something that's come up in some debriefs for me recently, and and you may have experienced the same, which was the topic of imposter syndrome. Have you heard of that one before? Oh, have I ever? It's quite popular in, in popular media, isn't it? People yeah. are sort of, I think it was a guy from Atlassian that came out and said that he suffers from uh, Is that right? imposter syndrome. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's. I have come across it a couple of times, and I feel like it's picking up momentum as people are feeling like it's okay to share. But they well, and there's this. a word around it now. Yeah. That's the thing about it for me is like, I think everyone has a little bit of that. Well, maybe, okay, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people have a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, oh man, am I really, everyone's listening to me right now, should they be? But I guess there's like, there's a healthy amount of it, if you like, or something. But then it crosses over at a certain point to being counterproductive and kind of self-defeating, self-deprecating mm. almost. So how have you seen it come up and... You know, how does it relate to the LSI work or something that you're doing? It's interesting. Like if we think about the way people share the felt state of the imposter syndrome, it's that they, not only do they feel sort of self-doubt or maybe lacking in confidence around their ability to do what they're doing. So let's call it, they don't feel like they should be there. Mm. I'm in a room or I've been promoted or I've been asked to come and do something and, gosh, how on earth is this possible? Yeah, everyone thinks I'm brilliant, but little do they know. Yeah. I've got no idea no what idea. I'm doing. And then it's coupled with the fear that they will be busted, they'll be caught mm. out for for not being what others seem to think they are. Mm. So it's kind of like a, a dual worry and fear packaged together, mm. which kind of lingers as this kind of underlying, yeah, it's an underlying worry that, I suspect if we spoke to some psychologists, could manifest into a whole range of different things. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it's, um, you know, it's quite a personal cost to carry that around all the time to be like, oh my gosh, like I don't deserve to be here or something. And I'm going to get caught any minute now. They're going to discover that, Yeah, you know, it's all BS. And basically. that's the LSI one, I suppose. It shows up in their thinking yes. around how they perceive themselves. Because sometimes... When you're working with these, not always, but sometimes you can find that it's an internal dialogue that mm. they, you know, like they have been promoted for a reason or mm. they have been asked to come and speak at a conference because mm. someone's interested to hear from them. Yeah, well, I, I had an example just like that where someone I was debriefing was part of, had been invited into this group, like an industry kind of group. And, and they said, oh, I was looking around the room and there were all these like super talented people, like so impressive, you know, the head of this and that and so on. And then there was me, right? And I thought that's interesting, right? Because oh. oh, everyone was super talented and then there was me. And I was kind of asking, why do you think they invited you? <laughs> you know, it wasn't just a make-up numbers. Yeah. But they they kind of couldn't see it though, right? It's like maybe, you, maybe you've got something to offer as well. What do you think? Mm. But they're kind of like, no, not like the other people in the room. Yeah. It's interesting. I have a similar story of someone I worked with that was promoted to a executive team at a, quite a young age and mm. carried with him this, how did I get here? It's been a fluke. Someone, right? you know, it, 
it must have happened by chance. That's right. It's coming back to me now. Chance. Or, or yeah. I think his rationale was also, you know, maybe they just liked me, you mm. know, at the time. Mm. And then throughout his career, he'd been promoted and moved to different organizations and he'd gotten to a point of, I'm getting away with it, is kind of what he was saying. Uh-huh. Like I'm, I've been able to craft this image where uh-huh. people listen to me, but it's almost like he saw it as not him. Yeah, right. So <laughs> did he, as a question, just have an interest, did he keep moving to like stay ahead of the image catching up or something? Like He has continued to be quite successful in yeah. his roles. The interesting thing for me that came out of that discussion was when I asked him what it would be like if he didn't have that fear or, or thought process how he would feel and he really like he really lit up as if it would be this enormous weight off his shoulders if he could just mm. continue doing what he did without carrying this mm. burden. Yeah. It's difficult to kind of tangibly put your finger on, but oh my, it would feel so amazing. So, you know, to, to all, for all external factors, he was able to function quite highly on an ongoing basis, mm. but still carried that. Well, and I think that's the, um, what you're talking about is it kind of shows up in the LSI 1, mm. so our own thinking. Because often the other side too, at least in the case that I've seen, oh, yeah, you're a superstar. People thought really effective, right? Because, and that's why in your case, this person had been promoted to an executive at an early age or in, in the example I was giving, the person had been invited to join this group because other people at least think they are capable and are yeah. doing all these things, but they don't believe it themselves or they can't recognize it or see it themselves. Mm. And I do wonder sometimes if you put a lot of that mental effort and energy into thinking about how to prevent yourself from being exposed and how to make sure yeah. you know, that that's a lot of mental effort that is being directed into defending yourself, which is ultimately what that bottom part yeah. of the circumplex is. Yeah, a lot of worry and stuff. You can't be your best if you're no. down there. You, yeah. wonder, you wonder what might happen if they were to redirect that. Somewhere else. It'd be even more powerful, yeah. And, I mean, it's funny. It's interesting you mentioned before that chance. I was lucky, was it? Or it was yeah. chance? Yeah, he, he thought that he had got one lucky break and he kept... Riding the wave yes, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, because he had that one big role, all of a sudden that was what... I wonder if... So it's interesting because it reminds me of some of the ones I've done. And I think people start attaching their success to external factors. So the locus of control is outside of them. Mm-hmm for the things that go well and the things that don't go well was potentially their fault Fault. or or even outside of their control as well, but it's just essentially they're not in control, right? And Mm. that they're either lucky or unlucky or a chance or or the chance didn't happen. Which actually correlates in a way to the achievement style. Or the lack thereof, yeah. Lack thereof achievement. Because that whole nature of um, achievement being this belief that there's a cause and effect, that things don't happen by chance, that if you direct your effort somewhere, mm. that you can get an outcome of sorts. That's, you know, achievement-oriented thinking. Yeah, so fate, believing in fate, luck and chance is um, definitely low mm. achievement thinking, right? Because, yeah, it's not my effort makes a difference, mm. right? It's, it's, well, stuff happens and I just happen to be in the right place at the right time or not. And look, I think there's, you know, opportunities come up, but opportunities come up for people who, are open to them and stuff as well. So, you know, you got to put yourself in the right spot. But mm. doesn't mean that everyone just, if it is the only thing, right? Like, you know, opportunities come or they don't. But you got to prepare yourself and put yourself in the right position to take them. And I think to 
give yourself the best effort of, I think what I find when we move into the people who are very high on achievement, it's not that it's arrogant to be clear where your effort makes a difference, but it can help to know where your effort does, you know, so knowing where your strengths lie, knowing then how to resource yourself appropriately to get things done versus mm. believing that it's happening. Mm. There's, there's a benefit to, to that style of thinking. Well, it's like um, you reminded me now, so the person I was talking about earlier represented the country in sport and stuff, but I was like, oh, so you must have trained really hard and worked really hard. No, I was just kind of naturally talented and mm. lucky, right? So it was kind of naturally talented. So it wasn't me. It was just like an inherent thing. You either are or aren't. <laughs> talented, which is a sort of fixed mindset stuff as well. Oh, wow. Um, I, I sort of like I'm pulling a face as you're saying that because I'm feeling like, well, wow, there's no way you could just simply be born with talent from no. a sporting background. I mean, the kind of commitment that's involved at the very basic it's a lot level. Of time and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Phenomenal. It's, which is, and it's interesting because I often like sport and stuff as a great example of achievement thinking in action as far as, say, like with running or something. You know, if you haven't run in years and you go and try to run, you're slow and you can't go far or whatever. But if the more you do it, mm. your effort makes a difference, right? You can go further, you can go faster and so on. It's very, it's a very obvious mm. effort to outcome connection kind yeah. of thing. And it requires commitment to maintain that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Curious. So, yeah, often it's um, low achievement and it's low recognition of Perhaps self-actualizing as well, so low recognition of mm-hmm. you know what I what I actually do bring to the table and what yes. I'm comfortable with with myself, kind of a self-doubt, and also probably I I tend to see it come up with green and the LSI one as well, yeah, which is a bit of that self-doubt and worry. Yep, often in the green. Sometimes it, I have seen it in green and red. So this is kind of yeah. I'm worried I'm not I'm not very good enough, and I need to make sure that I keep barriers up so that I don't mm. get caught out so appear competent mm, yeah <laughs> um, that's right so yeah I don't know what I'm doing so I need to put on the facade at least yeah which can be used like arrogance and stuff sometimes as a could be deflection mechanism can be yeah so where do you go and in, in the ones you've done where, where do you go in like a debrief if someone brings that up and says oh you know I feel like a bit of an imposter here mm. I don't feel like I'm really qualified for the job they've given me or something. Where do you go with that, do you think? I guess tried multiple things, multiple approaches. I don't think it's an immediate. I think there's a lot there in terms of that individual's experience. But the things that you, like you mentioned earlier, let's get objective about it. Let's separate some of the beliefs you hold about yourself Mm. and then look at some of the facts that we know about you. Mm. So like your question, why did they employ you? Yeah, why did they invite you to the group? Or, yeah. yeah, and have you sought that information out to understand what it was that they thought you brought to their role or to this mm. particular bit of work? And sometimes it's helpful to hear that from someone else. Mm. So it's almost getting them to question, because the, they've told themselves the story, right, mm. which is, well, I was lucky or whatever. But questioning that, what are the facts we actually know? Yeah. Yeah. That would Beautiful. be one thing. Yep. I, th- I think that what... The reflection point for the client I was talking about earlier was, and often I'll ask a lot of questions and none of them seem to penetrate, but occasionally you get one that just lands. But this one, it was where I saw his whole body move and change when he was imagining himself, you know, getting up every day and doing all the things that he does now, but doing it without that internal dialogue of worry and how he felt with that being a possibility. And 
it wasn't necessarily a question, but more of a, I think in my purpose around that question was to get him to envisage a possibility of mm. what good could look like in the future mm. so that at least there was some motivation there to think, okay, well, if we kind of know what it might feel like, maybe we can create a plan around some steps mm. and how you might get there. Mm. So that felt difference. And so, because you've got to build a desire mm. to want to do something different. And a belief that you, it know, can you, be different. you could be different. Yeah, yeah. Like there are people out there, you know, that are able to step into the world. I don't imagine it's all the time and I think you need to manage it. It's, you know, every day, but they are able to step into the world with less fear and anxiety and more excitement and curiosity about life. I mean, mm. what a wonderful state to be in. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Absolutely. Self-actualizing. Yeah. Yeah, that that's right. So so a good question to ask is, yeah, what, what would it feel like? You know, what, how would it be different? Mm. How would you know you got there? The other thing that I'm thinking about another story with actually a friend of mine who was self-diagnosed her as sort of, she was displaying some of those behaviours of the uh -huh. imposter syndrome. She uh -huh. was an Olympic athlete uh. in her past life and she told she was telling me a story about how she had been playing on a regional netball team and had been benched frequently. She was like, I'm fine with that. I'm not very good at netball. I'm just doing it to maintain some fitness and make some friends. But we were talking about what had the what had that community club lost from you not sharing, and it's not necessarily imposter syndrome, but it's kind of the same vein. What had the organisation lost from you not really putting it out there that you had some other skills, like that you could maybe increase the fitness of individuals? And so they didn't know that she was didn't a know Olympian. She felt like she wasn't really a part of that crowd because she wasn't a netballer by background. Uh -huh. And so she would withdraw and just make it a kind of low level effort and just participate socially. But I suppose it kind of in vain, that story, the reason I'm telling that story is because I, it sort of occurred to me what a loss for the organization uh. if you don't really believe and push yourself forward. Uh. And it's not that people with imposter syndrome don't push themselves. I don't think that's necessarily the truth. It's that they're carrying the anxiety around it. But I, I guess it occurred to me that if it, if that anxiety held someone back, what if we removed it and what does, do you and others stand to gain if we were to, you know, push through that? I think that's probably another way of tackling it. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, you've got all these skills and attributes and, and knowledge and whatever it is. Maybe because of that self-doubt, you're not coming forward with them. We're not. Yeah, we're meant to be tapping into your full potential. Yeah, and therefore, actually, we're all losing out and stuff. So in this example that you're giving... She could have helped with all kinds of things. Oh my God, so many things. All sorts of insights into yeah. elite training, mm -hmm. you know, sport training. Psych psychology behind psychology, maintaining performance. Stuff. So, yeah, what a loss. Mm. So, how would you, like, I think it's an interesting thing because I guess for her, on the other hand, I can imagine you don't want to come into like this team and be like, everyone listen to me. You know, I was an Olympian. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, no one wants to Instantly, hear that. Instantly, everyone's going <laughs> to uh, turn them right off, you know? Yeah. So I guess we're, there's, there's a line there somewhere. There is a line there somewhere. It is interesting, isn't it? Because it's, I mean, we might be moving into another topic, but it's still, it's sort of in the same vein of there's a difference between being humble, uh. being humble but clear on your strengths and your contributions and being arrogant. And I think for me, the difference is confident. Mm hmm. You know, you can be confident in your strengths and who you are without being arrogant. Mm. And you can be confident and be humble. Yes. You know, I think. It's not an either or. It's not an either or. You can, you know, yeah, you can be confident and sure 
sure of yourself, that's probably not the right word because that sounds, because I think people use it as a probably more aggressive defensive space, but sure in your abilities and so on. Yeah. And, and Self, what you self-assured, bring. I would self-assured, say. Self-assured, that's a better word. Self-actualized. Yeah. Hmm. What else? I don't know. I think I think we've probably covered it, but it's it's an interesting one, the imposter syndrome, because I think it comes up quite a bit. And I think even if people don't say it, I think a lot of people feel it, mm. at least from time to time. And probably particularly if you're doing something new, so you're actually outside your comfort zone, there's mm. a surefire way to kind of um, set it off. Because, you know, if you're doing something new, then, then you know, you're, you're not as seasoned or whatever and feeling as confident in it, perhaps. It's actually got me thinking as we're sitting here, I'm sort of reflecting. I'm reflecting that there's an element, you know, what, the pattern I think Definitely on the circumplex is low achievement and some self-doubt. But I'm, it's just, I'm going back to your original story about your client that was sort of comparing themselves to others mm. and therefore downgrading their own contribution. And actually mm. part of that is the competitive That's true. style. So as I'm reflecting on how this might show up in a circumplex, there's probably a lot of variations around what it could look like. Mm. And, and it's hard, it is confidence, but it's also valuing your own unique contribution, mm. I would say, which is the self-actualizing. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a great point. Like, people think of the competitive style as being the braggadocious side of it, right, that I'm better than everyone else. But I guess the flip side of it is, because you're not better in every, everything, or, yeah. or you don't feel you're better in everything, is then it seeds self-doubt, right? So actually, I don't want to play a game if I'm going to lose. Mm. I don't want to get involved if I have a chance of actually not winning. It could, it could be that way. Hmm. Good point to reflect oh, on. Just a random, leave it there. random reflection I'll, at the I'll end there. It. Yeah, no, I love it. We could uh, kick it out to our audience if you've got any thoughts. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll post this episode on our LinkedIn page. So if you have thoughts, yeah, com- post a comment on it. It would be interesting to hear. Maybe you've had an experience yourself. Yeah. And it shows up in a certain way in your circumplex. So you can see the connection between that learned thinking and your experience of yeah. imposter syndrome. Absolutely. So, mm. yeah, we'd love to join the conversation. So, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So, send us uh, if you've experienced it yourself or worked with a client or something who, mm-hmm. who's been through it. How did it show up? What, what did you do? Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Liana. No worries, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.